Hi, I'm Clara, and this is the Practice with Clara podcast, where we go into philosophy and all things yoga-related, which has been my passion for the last 20 years. Today's episode is all about the third chakra. We go into the difference between force and insertion, finding our gifts, and sitting in discomfort. We hope you enjoy today's episode, and if you haven't already, subscribe to the podcast. Welcome everyone to the Practice with Clara podcast. You're sitting with Stephanie. Clara. And Shiv. So Shiv is our guest today to talk about the uh, third chakra. What's the Sanskrit name? It was, um, Manipura. Manipura. And I thought, just like we did the last two weeks, I'd anchor by reading a little piece out of Wheels of Life by Anadea Judith. And so as Steph's about to do that, if you can, close your eyes so you can receive the little nugget from Anadea. In this fiery world of activity, you are a channel for power around you. You open to it, you burn with it, you drink in it, and you pass it on. Easily, effortlessly, willingly, joyfully. Your power peaks and returns, feeding the fire within, a molten core, feeding your body, silently charging, ready to expand when your next purpose calls. Mm. Can you do it one more time, Steph? In this fiery world of activity, you are a channel for power around you. You open to it, you burn with it, you drink it in, and you pass it on, easily, effortlessly, willingly, joyfully. Your power peaks and returns, feeding the fire within a molten core, feeding your body, silently charging, ready to expand again when your next purpose calls. Hmm. So why'd you pick that, Steph? The themes for the third chakra are related to our power, our purpose, um, call to action. And I loved the imagery imagery within this, the line around uh, molten core, feeding Mm -hmm. your body, silently charging, drinking it in, passing it on. Yeah, it's beautiful and Mm -hmm. it captures the the key themes of this this chakra. Mm -hmm. The molten quality. The, the, the volcanic quality of the third chakra, do you feel? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How fiery it is and waiting to be released, mm-hmm. as you could almost say. And also that fire has like essentially three different qualities. You have like, right, the embers that are at the bottom that are kind of, that they're actually the hottest, but they're, um, it's almost like a quiet heat, right? Mm-hmm. And then you have the middle heat. Right, that is like the it. It is what we generally look at, which is like the the red and the yellows, right, and the white, and then above it is a halo of blue, right. So you have these three different layers of the mm-hmm. of the fire. So that's kind of a cool way to mm-hmm. yeah to think yeah. about it. And so when we connect to our fire, generally everybody always thinks of like the bonfire. They think of like that the 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 piece the showstopper, right. But I also for me I really love. Or I try to connect to the embers whenever I'm connecting to my own power. I think of it in terms of this quiet strength. And it says that the silence in mm-hmm. that one line. Mm-hmm. And then also the other line around the purpose around you. I'm thinking of the blue halo you mentioned. Yes. So it's all encompassing, all three tiers. I like that. Yeah. And purpose is such a big part of this chakra. And the idea of when we want to 
find and connect to our purpose, we usually do work around um, the third chakra, like Kapalabhati breath, skull shining breath, or we do, you know, Agnisara or any of those kinds of uh, fiery pranayam breath practices. We're actually like doing core work would be another another way to do that. Um, Dad, what do you think would be a way of connecting to your power in terms of esoteric or in terms of I like the notion of what you said about the embers mm. and the undercurrent. And, uh, you know, in the ocean, I'm, I'm going now from, from, from fire to water. That you, In the ocean, I think, after a certain amount of, uh, I think it's about 100 yards or so, uh, there's no longer the turbulence. Down below. Down below. Yeah. You have the, the deep undercurrent. And so you work from there, that and that comes to, for me, the notion of the collective unconscious mm. and instinct. And so when you are in purpose, you need to connect to that, that core or mm -hmm. that base, that ember quality, that undercurrent. And then from that undercurrent, the undercurrent is support for the, 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 the other two, which is the turbulence. And then above the turbulence is you have, you have the blue, which is the, which is the serenity. Yes. So you have you have base and and then you have turbulence and then you have serenity, mm -hmm. and that's what I feel power is about, being connected to those three aspects of the self. And also having them being connected to all three aspects and also being balanced in all three. Mm -hmm. Yes. Because sometimes when, again, like coming back to this idea of when, at least when I think of power, it's something that can be aggressive or something you know that is kind of like uh, very forward moving. And sometimes, and so that is that centerpiece, or the or the bonfire, as I was describing it, or the yeah. turbulence, as you're describing it in terms of water. But above that, or if you can move past that, there's this idea of the blue. I love this. Your imagery of serenity is kind of a, a good mm -hmm. one. Mm -hmm. So can I, when I connect to my power, connect to all three aspects versus letting one dominate? Balance it because that's the distinction between force and assertion. I mm -hmm. would think. Mm -hmm. So that you're not being you're not being forceful, but assertion comes down from the harmony of those those elements, those yes. three those three uh, uh, levels of, of awareness yes. that you bring to your your purpose. Otherwise, you become inflated. Yes, and then you fly off, or you become too uh, preoccupied, and then you sink. Yeah, dogmatic. Yeah, 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 yeah. or rigid. I feel yeah. like sometimes within within that idea of power, there there can be rigidity. So can I still be fluid in that power? And that's what fire is, the yeah. fluidity of fire, the fluidity of water. Mm -hmm. As soon as you become uh, 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 concretized. Mm -hmm. You know, we were talking earlier about, uh, about poetry and concretizing poetry. Yes. And so when you concretize poetry, it loses its spirit and it becomes something else. And so how would you concretize spirit? Mm -hmm. Uh, sorry, poetry. How you? We were talking about that by by becoming too conceptual around mm. it, trying to dominate it, trying to dominate the experience rather than having the experience. Because poetry, as we were talking about earlier, is disruptive in the sense that it brings a very uh, concentrated uh, effort of uh, of 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 spirit, you know, into 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 play. Through the words. Through the words and, and through the form itself. Mm -hmm. And when you start to not play anymore, and when you begin to say, well, what's the meaning of this? You know, and, and I was just thinking, we were talking earlier, Steph and I were talking earlier about my first day at school. I remember my first day at school. It was in Bombay, and we were driven there, and, and I, was, I, was, you know, I was very anxious, and I didn't know what school was about. And what I realized what school was about was sitting down 
And I never sat down for that length of time ever because mm -hmm. I used to walk around without any shoes and I had to wear shoes. So the constriction that came to the body in the same way, the constriction that comes to the body of, of poetry, the spirit of poetry, when it's, when it's constricted, when, it, when you put shoes on it and make it sit in a certain way and make it answer it in a certain way, then it becomes concretized. Mm. That's why I feel what concretization mm -hmm. is about. And that's okay at certain times. You need to have concretization, but you, need, you also need release from that yes. and balance. Yes. And that was what we were discussing in creating art and maybe to give our audience a little bit of context. So one thing we were excited about with bringing Shiv here, who is Claire's father, is they're both, I feel, entrepreneurs and artists in their own way. So I thought it'd be really interesting to talk about third chakra, manifesting your, your passion, your power, going against the um, typical ways of doing things, tradition, security, stability, kind of all the things we thought about in root chakra. Now you're evolving, you're moving upwards and defining yourself against the world, which I feel both of you have done. And mm -hmm. we can talk a little bit more about how Shiv has, just so our audience can uh, listen to it. But in um, managing your own business, which you both have done, and creating art, you really are bringing your own ideas, your expression to the world. And sometimes when you're doing that, there becomes, I think, the, different, the difference between assertiveness and force is you assert yourself in that you're, I am, this is what I'm offering, but you're not telling, telling anybody, this is how you do it. Right, it's not a dictatorship. Yes. Mm -hmm. And my example with poetry, in reading certain poems, I was in a workshop last night, the explaining of an idea becomes so over, overdone that the feeling is lost. Mm. And then art to me, and this is what Shiv and I were discussing, um, it doesn't need to be fully understood. And it should be making a statement of something, but if you don't fully understand what the statement is, I also think that's okay because we're all going to see things differently. And I think someone who's saying so explicitly, this is what this is, for me, it loses the sensory quality, at least in poetry, of, of, of breathing and living and making me feel something mm -hmm. when it's so dense with verbiage. I feel that same way about the practice, the practice of yoga, the right. practice of meditation, just to kind of bring it into, tie it into yeah. uh, the discussion around the third chakra is mm -hmm. like the idea of uh, if I go to a class or if I'm hearing a teacher speak or reading a book and they're saying this is the only way, yeah. right? When it becomes dogmatic for me, then it, then we're putting shoes on and we're making we're making the practice sit down. Yes. When I and I think that there is a time and a place, like she was saying, for that, but. I need to decide when I want to put those shoes on or when I want the practice yes. to sit down, meaning when I want to create it, um, create a container for it. But so much of the experience, like art and the practice and yoga, is spontaneous, mm -hmm. right? It's this idea of this feeling that's kind of arising through the action of doing asana or the action of reading poetry or looking at, you know, listening to music or looking at art. Right? This, yeah. Any, I feel like any, any expression. If you're, if you have the space to allow it to uh, be experienced inside of you, then, uh, then we haven't put shoes on it, which I think is an important. But then he comes to a very interesting uh, dynamic where, let's say, you want, you feel you need to do yoga, but some part of you doesn't want. Mm. There's some part of you that wants to make art, but yet another part that says, "Why don't we go have a coffee somewhere?" Yes. Okay. So how do you work with that? 
What is, how does... Well, this is where the idea of tapas or discipline comes yeah. in, in terms mm-hmm. of the practice itself. Mm-hmm. Um, and there, I've, I've definitely, I feel like Steph and I have talked about it before, um, in terms of what do we, when is it appropriate to let it go, to surrender, and when is it import, appropriate to like, be like, no, this needs to So to assert, your, yeah, exactly. assert yourself at yeah. this particular time. Yeah. And I think... I think the answer, as the answer with most things that I would say is it depends. Mm -hmm. It depends on, the biggest thing it depends on is what is your truth in that moment? Am I, am I deciding not to do this because I'm feeling lazy today or I'm overworked and I'm tired or, Mm. you know, like what, it it all comes down to intention. Like what am, what is my intention here? Is my intention to, uh, you know, shy away from, from the quote unquote, the work or, mm-hmm. or showing up to the mat or, or as, as, as artists to create, right. Or am I doing it because I need a break and I'm overloaded and I, and I should be navel gazing because mm-hmm. there is a there is a deep importance to doing nothing, mm-hmm. right. Because in the doing nothing, we're healing and we're reflecting so that when we go back to doing our expression of whatever it is, I find I'm much more rejuvenated. Mm-hmm. Uh, felt like I was just oh, getting their stuff. I'm just thinking about what you were saying about the the fire before with the deep coals, the transformation in the middle, and then the halo. You feed all different parts of yourself Mm -hmm. through balancing those three things. Like sometimes to be fed means resting, like you're saying, healing, taking space. Other times it means going out and, and doing all of the things in a day. It depends on what you're working with that day. And in that way, like the practice like art, it's spontaneous. And, but the question that I feel like Shiv's bringing up that's a good one and always should be checked in is like, when do we know it's appropriate to do that and when do we, when is it not? Like, mm-hmm. you know? Bob Dylan says it in a really interesting way. He says it, how to hold and release in a, in a holy way, in a divine way. Mm-hmm. Can you say in that again? In a sacred way. How to hold and to release mm. in a holy way. Okay, M- meaning wholeness. Yes. Okay. So you're entering into a, a sense of wholeness, and you're and you're coming out of that wholeness. Now, how do you? Because I think yoga has to do with that unity and, and maintaining that wholeness between those three three levels we were talking about. Mm-hmm. And how do we go about doing that in our daily lives? Because what we're doing in essence is we're we're using our power upon ourselves. We're regulating ourselves. Yes. And so, where does that come from? You know, where does where does that knowingness come from? Does it come from the discipline? Does it come from the practice itself? Or where does it come from? Where does it come from for yeah. you? <laughs> Good job, Steph. Yeah. <laughs> like, let's turn this around. <laughs> where does it come from me? It it comes from um the practice. It's a daily practice that you and, and it's one of authenticity towards oneself. To be truthful towards oneself. And, 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 and that means recognizing when I'm, you know, for example, when I'm being lazy and knowing when I'm lazy, what it feels like in, I would imagine, for me, it all begins and ends with the body. So what, what it feels like in the body in that moment. For example, I got up this, this morning and I would, I was listless. I was heavy. I was, you know, I was in heaviness. So I, I was paying attention to that heaviness. And from that heaviness came this, this, um, um, this memory. Because I was thinking, what is what is the third chakra and, and so on. But what it came down much deeper down is, when did I first start to learn something? Mm. And it was my first day of school. And what was my experience of school? Heaviness. Yeah. 
so I connected. See, it, 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 so that's a little bit about the practice, how the practice brings consciousness to your process in the moment. And what is your practice? <laughs> it's hard to tell. I, I, I no longer feel I have a practice, and yet I do. Okay. And, and uh, the, the older I get, the more curmudgeon-like I become. So I, I don't want to deal with a lot of stuff, you know. So I, I recognize that. I get very irritated. I don't want to deal with I've been dealing with this all my life. I have to deal with it again. So there's that quality of, of, of curmudgeonness. Yes. And yet I know that it is important for me to, to, to stay in that place. Yes. Because I'm, I'm sure when you're doing your practice, when you're doing the, uh, 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 the poses, the, the poses uh, you say, oh, you know, oh. Oh, and you and you feel all the things that that are um, that are uh, uh, imposing some, themselves against going forward. Yes. And 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 so you, what I what my practice is is becoming conscious of those boundaries, you know, and and being with them, and and learning to love myself in the process mm. rather than imposing my dictating, which is forcing. So it's, it's yeah. So I'm always looking at when there's force and when there's assertion. You know. And listening to you, I'm getting the sense that part of honoring the third chakra is being uncomfortable. Yes. Yes. So being in the yeah. fire. Yeah. Is being in a pressure cooker. You're sitting in some sort of discomfort. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the idea of that, just building on that, is and uh, is. Um, that through the fire, whatever it is that we're uncomfortable with transforms, transforms. right? Because it's not the fire that is actually uncomfortable. It's what we're bringing to the fire that has discomfort. So I want to loop back to something you said in the beginning of class, because I think it also goes with what Shiv was just saying in waking up and feeling heavy, lethargic, that density. You mentioned some breath work to stimulate the fire center. And that would also break up that lethargy and get things mm-hmm. moving. Mm-hmm. So maybe unpack a few of those pranayams mm-hmm. that you mentioned. Yeah, so Kapalabhati skull shining breath is a sharp exhale out of the nose. If I do it on my mouth, it sounds like this. <laughs> Through the nose. <laughs> and so the idea of that is you don't think about the inhale. It's just a sharp exhale. And, and you're bringing the abdomen in and up. And so the idea of that is stimulating the, the abdomen itself and drawing the energy upwards because mm. generally when we're feeling lethargy right Shiv described it we're heavy right and we're back into that it it's usually heavy dark we're going into the elements uh, of earth or in the gunas in terms of yoga we would t- be talking about um uh, uh i can't i'm spacing out right now <laughs> <laughs> It's raining here in Vancouver, and I'm definitely feeling this guna. <laughs> and it's known as Thomas. Yeah, I just thought of it. I was thinking tapas, and then I was like, wait a second. Okay, so a beautiful example, like oh like we were just talking about, is here in Vancouver, it's our second day of rain, and, and there is a heaviness. Like, I'm, I'm definitely feeling it as well today. Mm-hmm. And part of that lethargy for me is that I have a hard time processing things. So, yeah, so um, that brings us when we're feeling that heaviness, when we're feeling that tamas, right? It's generally in the legs. We're like, we're very, we want to stay low to the ground. So this Kapalabhati, this skull shining breath, literally draws the energy upwards. And so it brings more uh, blood and circulation to the mm-hmm. abdomen, 
which then uh, brings it up to the rest of the of the body. So you want to create more circulation in your body, which is why they say if you're ever feeling depressed or 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 any kind of heaviness that you need to move. They tell you to exercise, they do something like fast, like running or something, and ideally something's repetitive. So you just kind of get into the flow of of one of what of one kind of movement. So then that way, the um, the energy there's a comfort in the in the yes. in the repetition. Mm-hmm. Another one that I would also highly recommend um, would be the Kriya Ha. Uh, and we, I, that's a good, I'm going to bring that one in the next yoga class, actually. We don't have a class with yeah. the Ha Kriya uh, on the practice with Clara site. So that will be the next one. I'll, cool. I'll shoot that next week. And so um, you would either put one hand on top of your solar plexus, the other palm on top, or you'd reach your arms overhead, bring your fingertips into your palms, creating fists. And as you make the sound ha, if your arms are overhead, you'd bring your hands down to the solar plexus, or you'd bring your, with your hands on your abdomen, you'd bring your abdomen in in and up, and then the sound is loud. It goes ha, 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 and you would do that ideally for about 20, 20 to 40 seconds, depending. And that is going to create fire. And again, more more circulation is going to move through you. So it'll create, it'll move the lethargy. Mm-hmm. And hopefully the brain will start processing a little mm-hmm. bit faster. In that way, I should have done the hakriyas before we did this, uh, <laughs> before we did this podcast. So those would be some things that I would recommend. Also, uh, getting up and moving, like another uh, great one to do is go out for a walk. Right, like, mm-hmm. and and walk quickly. Don't walk slowly. Walk quickly mm-hmm. with no direction necessarily in mind, but just to move the body to kind of start to um, stimulate. Yeah. Right, mm-hmm. it's to create stimulation, and ideally you do it naturally, so then that way there's no there's no dip of the energy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've done the ha in classes, and it does it lights you up, and it's the sound. It's bringing mm-hmm. vocals mm-hmm. to it as well that mm-hmm. really you feel it resonating in your body yeah and also i think there's a sense of when we connect to our voice uh and and use our voice in a strong way we're connecting to our power and ideally with like why we i love the hakriya is it doesn't ha doesn't mean anything so we're not attaching any meaning to the sound we're just making the sound and ha is sharp yes it's not like brahmari's breath where you're humming and it has that really tranquil kind of elusive quality to it like ha is sharp it's like you're cutting through yeah yeah. Yeah. One of the mantras for um, third chakra is "I am here." Like I belong here, mm. and like I, uh, I, I am heard. Is another mm. one, right? So, ha, is mm-hmm. a strong one for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So something else I wanted to ask the two of you because I I think it's interesting, and both of you being more um, entrepreneurial in spirit, having the confidence to go and create your own forms of art or business, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of risk involved in that. But to have the confidence to say, I'm going against having the security of a paycheck or whatever it is, especially with a baby as well, your whole family is now in your business. Um, And Shiv, I know you dabbled in working for yourself and photography. Mm -hmm. I know bits and pieces from Clara. So just talking about that and giving our audience something to chew on if they're kind of on the precipice of owning the third chakra but maybe not quite there, mm-hmm. what advice you would give to someone? So one of the things I thought it would be interesting to go into is for Shiv and Clara to share a little bit about um, their advice for people who are sitting and maybe struggling with the third chakra and coming to um their own space where they're creating art or managing their own business and kind of taking the leap of faith to do something for themselves because both of you have gone through that process and there's a lot of risk involved and you do need to kind of, I think, stay in that 
seat of the fire where you are uncomfortable, but it's that pervading sense of power, like the quote I read where you're uncomfortable, but you, you know that you can can do it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And the perseverance to do it. A mm-hmm. lot of it, I feel like, is perseverance. Yeah. It's it, like they say in the I Ching, all the, always at the end of the I Ching, perseverance furthers. Mm-hmm. And it is really about that. And, it, and it's a sense of, of, of realizing it's like being an artist. You, you don't have a choice after a while. You know, there, there is no choice. Mm-hmm. Because the, the, other, uh, the other way of living is, is not amicable to your being. Yes. There's something in you that, that, that you know, like Robert Frost said, there's something that does not like a wall. And, and I felt like I was, a, I was coming up against walls if I was working regularly. So then I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do. And, and, uh, and I wanted to die, actually. And how old were you when this was happening? I was about 25, 24, 25. And I got myself a motorcycle and I did a lot of mescaline and, and, and I wanted to kill myself, but it, nothing, it didn't happen. And then quite by chance one day... Um, it was, it was truly an accident. I had an accident on my motorcycle, and it changed my life because now it gave me an opportunity because they gave me these, um, uh, these pills for the pain, and the painkillers were destroying, destroying the lining of my stomach. And so I was, I was reduced to a, to a skeleton, and I could have gone further on with that. But as I was going down on my crutches, going, coming back from, uh, just going down the hall, I, there was a mirror. And I looked at myself in the mirror, and I was a skeleton. And I said, if I continue like this, I could die. And I could have my, my wish to commit suicide. And everybody would say, oh, poor man, you know. So it was a good excuse. But something in me said no. Hmm. Something in me said, no, I want to live. And that was a shift in me. Somewhat dramatic, you know, but that's what transformed me. And from then on, I recognized I was responsible for my life. No one else Mm -hmm. was responsible for my life. Mm -hmm. And that shifted me. And then as a result of that, I became aware of what I needed to do in order to survive. And the first thing I needed to do was to eat properly because I ate very badly before. And so... I took responsibility for my life by saying, I'm going to feed my body. And then it started from there. It was like small steps, mm-hmm. persevering steps. And the next thing I knew is I had an insight. And I think that's what happens a great deal when you start on your own journey. Like uh, Joseph Campbell says, when you do that, when you leave the village compound, when you leave the domain of pre-digested experiences yeah. mm-hmm. and you move into original experience, which is moving into, symbolically speaking, moving into the forest. When you move into the forest, then you have invisible means of support come to you. And for me, it was, I was looking down and, and my landlord was a Greek and he had a, um, um, uh, a grapevine with a trellis. And with the huge, you know how grapevines, the leaves are so large. And, what they're, and I realized what they were doing, what, what plants do, is transform the energy of the sun into matter. Mm. So it was a basic transformation. It was a miracle that, you, that the, uh, the quanta of light can either be a wave or a particle. And what happens is the, the leaf or the 
plant life transforms that wave into a particle. Mm -hmm. Okay? And that's very much like photography. So photography is the transformation of light, okay, into an image. It's, it's, it's using what, what Leonard Cohen calls the absolute language of the sun and transforming it like a leaf does. And, I real, and then it connected me to wanting to do photography. And that's how I got into photography. And then one thing led to another. And the next thing I knew, I was working for this wonderful man, Aaron Brushes, from, uh, from Germany. He was a Jew who, who left Germany because of, because of Hitler. And all he came with his father and his mother was a lens. Mm. Okay, and he used a that... camera lens. lens. Okay. No, it wasn't a camera lens. It was his, um, his uh, enlarger lens. Oh. And with that, he, he started using photography. He started working with negatives, and he made himself a business, and I got involved in that. Mm. And so that was my, my first introduction to photography, was working for Aaron Brushes, mm -hmm. and this is in Montreal. Mm -hmm. And that led to other things, and then I got involved in Edward Weston and the day books and so on, and I got involved in the spiritual aspects of photography. And that fed me. Although I wasn't making a lot of money, I was, I was working as a dishwasher at the Mandira, which was, <laughs> which was a vegetarian restaurant, one of the first vegetarian restaurants in Montreal. So it's, it's so, and, and then that, it has this momentum, and then one thing leads to another, and you meet people, mm -hmm. yeah. and you have a certain something that, that moves through you. And, and when you do your practice, you begin to feel that mm -hmm. thing. And that's, that's, that was the beginning of my, my, my transformation, moving away from the, the ordinary round of things. And I love this idea that you said in terms of momentum and really following the momentum. And I think that that's yes. like in terms of... Uh, stepping out of the village compound, meaning the what we're expected, the nine to five, the like typical um, uh, milestones that we're supposed to go through in life. Uh, instead of when you step out of that, you need to you need to kind of follow your nose and also ride the wave of mo momentum. So you need to be conscious of what's happening and what's coming towards you and moving towards um what you think is going to feed you and then through that I mean like I feel like I stumbled like I literally stumbled upon working for myself like I was working at a restaurant and I was in you know university and um I stumbled upon doing a yoga teacher training because a friend of mine decided like my friend Alex Dawson who you met in LA yeah. uh said to me um I'm going to do this teacher training why don't you do it with me and I, I said okay yeah I'll, I'll do that with you I mean I thought I would just like learn more about yoga um but I just kind of followed it it felt like the right thing to do and then I realized I really enjoyed it and then from there you know like a friend of mine was working at managing a studio and somebody had just left opened her own studio and so he's like why don't you take these classes and it kind of just went that way and so the key is is you need to follow your nose right? Go with instinct and also ride the wave. And there'll definitely be points of discomfort where you're like, am I going to be able to make a living? Especially if you are, you know, if you do have a family or what, ha what have you, there is responsibility. So trusting in that and also uh, being pragmatic is the other thing. Like, I don't think you should throw everything to the wind and like, you know, I was chatting with a friend of mine yesterday and they had friends who had just had a baby and they decided they were going to sell all their furniture in their house and they're going to open a yoga studio. Right. right. And then three weeks later, they realized with a, you know, like with a three week, baby. yeah, with a new baby and that they might need furniture and they might need things. And so, you know, uh, so we yes, you want to follow that momentum, but also be uh, be pragmatic about it. And so 
yeah, I feel it, it is like a, it is a sense of riding the waves. And so feeling the current as, it, as it's coming towards you, meaning as opportunities are coming towards you, you want to kind of observe, am I going to ride this opportunity or am I going to step this one out? Like now I'm kind, kind of using the metaphor of surfing waves. And so in that, in that sense, you know, you're always like just treading water. You're just kind of allowing yourself to be there and observing like what's coming towards me and how is that going to feed me but the other thing that I love that Shiv said is is that you need to be fed by it right and there is like at least for the two of us you know uh we uh we don't work to live we live to work right there's there's two kinds of people they say there's people that live to work and there's people who work to live right and the people who work to live make money so that they they can do the things that they love and then there are people who live to work meaning that they are fed by their work and both are beautiful like I I don't think I think both uh, ways of moving through um, working is is great one is not better than the other but for the two of us we live to work so that whatever it is that we're putting most of our time and energy towards needs to feed us and so in that way, when you make that choice, you have to really sit with, is this feeding me? And then the next part, and, and we've definitely both, um, and I'm sure you've done that also in your writing, is you get to points where you're like, is this feeding me? <laughs> is this even worth it? You know, we go through these oh, yeah. like, you know, crises <laughs> where, you know, doubts. Like, yeah, strong doubts where I'm like, am I a yoga teacher? I don't know if I can do this anymore. <laughs> like, I have to talk about downward dog one more time. Cueing a yeah. salutation. Yeah, you're like, oh my God, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> So really important. And then this is like, this is a conversation my dad and I have had quite a few times in that when you're having those crises, it means that you need to take it to the next level, right? And so the next level might mean that you quit your day job and move towards your passion, or it might mean I need to shift how I'm doing whatever it is that I'm doing. And so a great example from, I'll give the example for me, and I'd love to hear actually both of your examples when you have those crises. Like, so what my crisis around uh, teaching yoga, where I have, yeah, where I feel like I've said the same thing, you know, for the 50th time today, and do I want to do this anymore? And nobody's listening to me, and why am I doing this? You know, is um, I need to step back and re- and feed myself and fuel. So that usually involves stopping teaching, going somewhere and taking a training, or going somewhere and doing something totally different that has nothing to do with yoga mm-hmm. just for a little while to allow myself to reset and this is like the contraction and the release mm-hmm. right so the contraction going in and enjoying what I'm yeah. doing and then you need that release every so often and mm-hmm. so for me when I'm getting to the point where I'm very annoyed about what I'm doing it's a wonderful indication that it's like mama needs a vacation or mama needs to go refuel the to- the toolkit right so I pass it over to you Steph in terms of either teaching yoga because you teach yoga and you're also a writer of like when you're coming into a crisis either as an artist or as a yoga teacher yeah. you know what happens for you well the this story I was telling Shiv earlier is this week and last night I, I'm part of a poetry workshop well class and we've been workshopping our our poems together And I've been coming up against barriers and like I create metaphor and in my poems tell a story, but people don't always understand what I'm saying. And I was kind of chatting with my sister earlier this week and she's like, why does anybody need to understand what you are trying to present? Why can't this just be for you and they can read it how they want to? Beautiful. And I was like, yeah, that's true. I don't need to be so explicit. So then... Last night, we're workshopping my piece. I'm getting great feedback, but everyone is asking me for what it means. Mm. And I was like, I'm not telling you. I had an intention, 
it doesn't matter what the intention is. You felt something reading this, which I think all, okay, I'll speak first person. That's what I want is when you read something I write, I want you to feel something. I want it to do something to you. Positive, negative, I don't, I don't care. So I don't know if that exactly answers the question, but I was really hung up on creating something that people understand. And mm -hmm. now I'm getting to a point where I don't think that matters for me anymore. Mm. Yes. So that's been huge. And that's liberating. It It's very, yeah. I felt like when my sister made that comment, it was like whoo, the whole veil was lifted. And I was like, you're right. Like such a simple, of course it doesn't matter. Mm. Yeah. This brings me to the notion that we carry gifts, that we, we are here and we are a gift. We are a gift from creation to creation. And that, that a lot of what we are, for me, meaning is about is getting in touch with my gift. You know, for me, when I heard you, I was, I was, what came to me was poetry is your gift and you were gifting the class. Now the thing then is who will accept this gift and who will reject it? Mm. It's been my experience that it's difficult when you come, when you bring your gift, because your gift is unique. Each person has a unique gift, and that unique uniqueness threatens the status quo. Mm. It unsettles people. They want to know, okay, yeah, but cut it down so that I can give it to me in a sound bite. Yeah, you know, don't, what box do I put it in? Exactly, exactly. So that's what I feel I was encountering a lot in the beginning. Okay, I, I knew I had a gift. I didn't, in the beginning, you don't quite know exactly what you're gifted, but you can feel it. Because yeah. I remember the first time I ever took a photograph, seriously, was the, uh, was the, uh, was the first week in, in college, when I went to college and I joined the, uh, the reporter, which was the college newspaper. And they, they gave me a, Rola, uh, a Rolaflex, you know, two and a quarter format, and said, go out, and they gave me an assignment. And I never used two and a quarter before. I mean, I used the point and shoots but never a two and a quarter. Yeah, medium and format. The right? medium format, yeah. two and a quarter, because it's upside down and so yes. on. And so I went and I, and I photographed, and I loved it. And the very first photograph I ever took with a two and a quarter was published. <laughs> okay? And, but it felt natural. And I, and I put it aside for a long time until I came to that realization about, yeah, photography is, you know, the, is, is about, is, is a holy... Um, presentation of light it, it's a transformation of light and I then I made the connection from back then and that's when I started photographing mm. okay and then that slowly took me and I realized most people didn't want to see my photographs you know because what I what I wanted to do was I recognized if I had died in that in that motorcycle accident what would have people known about me mm. very little so I felt what photographs for me was, I was photographing things that I loved. Mm -hmm. So I worked with what you love. I think that's very uh, fundamental to, to our gift, what we love. Yes. Okay, because what we love is what we give back. And so my photographs are, are my gifts back with light. What I've, it, it, is my, it, is my, it is my encounter with light and, and with creation. You know, so your poems, you know, what do you feel your, what, you, what, what that poem was? What gift, is that appropriate to ask you that question? 
And how do you how do you mean? Uh, in the in the sense that you you were presenting a poem, mm -hmm. and that poem was saying you were you were gifting that poem mm -hmm. to the class to the class, yeah. yeah. And 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 they were saying, well, yeah, it's a nice gift, but now what is it all about? But you're yeah. saying, well, it's here, but what is it about? It's here, but what is it about? Yeah, that's exactly. Is, is that it. what I'm? Yeah? That's exactly it, and I just, I think it's liberating, and I think this is all relating to third chakra, and that, and you said it about yoga. Like, if people don't like your class, let them roll up their mat and leave. They will find someone who has a gift that they want to receive, mm -hmm. or get them in touch with their own gift. Yes. Yes. So, but you don't, you don't stifle your gift or your way of presenting whatever it is you're offering, be it photography, yoga, poetry, painting. Cooking. Yeah. Yeah. All, all the things. You do it for you. And if someone is on the receiving end and wants to uh, experience it with you, amazing. But if they're rolling up their mat and leaving the room, bye. Like yeah. that's, a, I'm also, and yeah. it's, that's third chakra to me. Is yeah. Stepping purpose. into that purpose. Yeah. And you're. Your confidence and your, um, one of you said it earlier, surrender, where mm -hmm. you're just surrendering to this is where I am right now, this is what I have right now, and I'm okay with it. Mm -hmm. you don't, you're not comparing to others, you're not putting the shoes on and confining yourself and packaging yourself the way things are branded or, you know, easily. Or um, how you think people will want to digest them. Yeah. That's another big one. So I was going to say, like palatable. Yes. Where mm -hmm. you're, you're creating really like sometimes I wish I wrote poetry that was more pretty and you know packaged for Instagram so people would share my beautiful words <laughs> <laughs> but it just doesn't speak to me yeah. Yeah. you know and yeah. I'd probably be maybe I'd be a more popular writer where, where does your that. poetry come from do you feel where, where's, what's the source of that mm. because that's your power I would feel mm-hmm well, from in like I'll have an experience or something will, will land, and then I want to create it. And it's weird lately. What I'm noticing is the synchronicity. Is I will mm -hmm. write something mm -hmm. and then I'll see it somewhere else. Oh, I love that. That's another sign. It's, yes, definitely. And it keeps happening, and yeah. it's spooky. Yeah, yeah, and it's, yeah. I've, That's so cool. It, yeah. yeah, and it also <laughs> questions your third chakra though, because it's scary. Where you're like, I don't know. What's scary about it? I think it's scary because it's feeling like you're aligning with something, but you're uncomfortable because you haven't been there before. It's like mm. the edges. You're pushing the boundaries. Like I'm pushing taught. the boundaries. Yes. And even what you're saying, and, you know, I'm in this repetitive space where I'm repeating the yoga poses, so I'm mad. You need to push a boundary again somewhere. Mm -hmm. So I think the agitation or the fear or the anger show up when it's like, okay, take one more step. Yes. And also something, we talked about this, I can't remember. We talked about this before in terms of when we're in relationship or when we're in dialogue with somebody other than ourselves and we are triggered by them, right? It's this mm. opportunity yes. like yeah. where, we're, where, again, here comes that agitation and that anger is that there's something there that we need to work out, Yes. right? And so it's this it's, it's fodder for the practice to kind of kind of chew on it and be like, what does this, what does this mean for me and how, and how can I grow from this so that, as you say, you can progress or you can move beyond that, uh, what we consider the comfort zone of where we are right now. It's time to go to the next yeah. level of whatever that means. And so um, I kind of w would love to leave it to our audience in terms of um, what do you think your gift is? Like, what, mm -hmm. are, what, have you, what are you here to, as uh, Shiv said, right, what is coming through you? to share with the universe what is inside of you. Say it again. 
I was like, here we go. Here we go. I need to drink a little bit more coffee. <laughs> Would you uh, mind? Uh, no. I'll okay. See if I, I'm, <laughs> never, I'm never where I think I, I am. It always keeps changing. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about gifting. Okay. And then I'll probably come around. Okay. Um, when you receive a gift. Yes. I'm talking about a, 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 a spiritual gift, a, a, a non, even if even if it's if, even if it's a concretized, a gift. You're never equal to a gift when you receive a gift because it's something new in into your sphere of consciousness or in in, in your life, and it's always more. It's always more than than what you have, and so, if if it's a true gift, it challenges you. It, it, it challenges you because you receive it and you don't quite know what to do with it. And then what happens is as you engage with it, whether it's, 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 a, it's a practice or it's, 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 a, it's a talent or, you know, it's a circumstance, because circumstances are gifts that come to you. You were talking about, you know, when, when these waves come to, towards you, what do you do? Do you ride the wave? Is this a wave that you want to ride? Is this the wave you want to, you know, move around? Whatever. But it, it, it comes to you and you need to make choices. And this is where your power comes in. And the power comes in from where you have that authenticity and that, that centeredness and that undercurrent that you can trust. And, and so it, 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 it washes up against you. And as, as you engage in it, you are transformed by it. Mm -hmm. Okay? And, and, and what you do is you grow in gratitude. And that's what I find with, with my photography um, when I'm taking a photograph, I'm sure this happens with you too, Steph, with the poem. The poem somehow is beyond you. Yes. Okay? And because and I, I take these photographs and I say, oh, yeah, yeah, this is kind of nice. I'd look at my contact sheets and leave it. And six months later, I look at the contact sheets and say, that's a really good image. And what I found was my eye was ahead of the rest of me. Yeah, that's cool. My, my visual uh, talent or gift was way ahead of the rest of me, the rest of my psyche and my understanding mm -hmm. and so on. And I grew into the gift. Mm -hmm. Okay? Mm -hmm, so yeah. you grow into the gift. And then when you grow into the gift, slowly that gift transforms you and you become the gift. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then what you do with the gift then is you give the gift away. And only when you give the gift away, that cycle is complete because you, pa you were talking earlier about passing it on, right? Yes. You have that, 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 that molten fire in you and then you drink of it and but you pass it on mm -hmm. but you yeah mm -hmm. and so in that um what is the gift that you feel like you are being gifted right now from the universe and then how would you like to share it so that's just something for you to chew on i feel like we've we've gone through a lot of really uh really great kind of i think nuggets i'm going to take them away as well and so what is the gift what is your gift and the gift doesn't have to be artistic and it doesn't have to be something that's super fancy and it might not even be something that you share with another person it might be something that you are experiencing in yourself mm. uh, like the gift of um, spirituality or the gift of connection and so um yeah, I, we, we want to leave you with that. And then along with that is like, how does that serve your purpose in terms of where you are in your life right now? Food for thought. So thank you, Shiv, so much for, uh, for joining yeah. us. And Steph, always enjoy. Thanks for bringing all the goodness. And uh, if you haven't already, subscribe to the podcast. And uh, we'll see you next week. Thank you.
Thank you for joining us today on the podcast. Today's podcast is brought to you by the Practice with Clara app. That's mine. I've created almost 100 yoga classes for you to do at home or on the go. And they're available to you on your favorite device, including mobile, desktop, and TV. These classes include vinyasa, slow flow, hatha, restorative, yin, mantra, meditation. I also just had a baby, so I created prenatal yoga for all four trimesters. So head over to clararobertsoss.com slash join to learn more. Or search for the Practice with Clara app at your favorite app store. There's a seven-day free trial, so no commitment. And make sure to subscribe to the podcast. We've got lots of good stuff in store for you. Until next time, namaste.